Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Southern trees bear strange fruit. Hello, this is The Life of a Song, a monthly music podcast from the FT. In each episode, we explore the biography of a different song, its origins and the various cover versions that have come about thereafter. I'm David Cheel. I edit the Life of a Song series in print. It appears in Weekend FT and online every week. For this episode, I'm joined by Fiona Sturgis. Hello. And Helen Brown. Hello. They both write about pop music for the FT and others. In this episode, we'll be discussing the song Strange Fruit, which Fiona has written about this week. So, Fiona, can you tell us something about the origins of this song? We just heard Billie Holiday singing it, but she didn't write it, is that right? She didn't write it, no. It was actually written by a Jewish schoolteacher and, at the time, reasonably well-known socialist, Abe Mirapol, who wrote it as a poem initially under the name of Lewis Allen. He wrote it as a reaction to a photograph that he'd seen of the death of two black teenagers in Marion, Indiana. At the time, lynching wasn't uncommon and postcards and photographs were actually widely available for people to see of lynched black people. So there's a kind of souvenirs. They were almost souvenirs. There would be, I mean, it's really unpleasant, there would be photographs of white families sitting beneath these trees with black bodies hanging off them. So Abe Mirapol saw one of these pictures and was horrified. He'd long been a civil rights advocate and he was so moved by this picture that he ended up writing a poem. So then it got into the hands of uh, Billie Holiday. Did he pass it on to her? Did he suggest that she sing it? And also, did he set it to music himself? The story goes that he handed it to the owner of the Cafe Society, which was a speakeasy in New York. And that was a rare venue because it wasn't segregated. And it was where Billie Holiday was singing a lot. And he handed it over to the owner and the owner had Billy immediately in mind to sing it. Black bodies swinging in the southern breeze Strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees You know a little bit about this history as well, don't you? Well, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was an amazing speakeasy, famously known as the wrong place for the right people. So once Abe brought his poem to the cafe, he may or may not have written the music, but there's certain arguments that Billie Holiday's musical arranger adapted the melody that he had written for Billie. So what about the first time Billie Holiday performed it? 
That was pretty memorable by all accounts, Fiona. Yes, I think she initially looked at the song and was a little bit unsure of what to do with it. There are, again, conflicting accounts because all accounts related to Billie Holiday are a little bit unreliable. (laughs) But initially, uh, according to Abe Mirapol, she looked at the song and was a little bit discomforted by it for obvious reasons and didn't know quite whether she was the right woman for the job. But anyway, she was either persuaded or latterly in her her autobiography, she immediately fell in love with it and said, yes, I will sing it. And so it was reserved for the end of one of her performances. The audience didn't know what was going to happen. All the lights came down. The waiters at the Cafe Society were instructed to put down everything and just be still. And under one single spotlight, she sang it. The place went from the quiet hubbub of everybody out on the town to getting quieter and quieter and quieter until people were absolutely silent. And at the end of the song, there was just a long pause. I don't think anybody quite knew how to react. And then gradually there was a little bit of applause. Billy later wrote about this. She was worried that she'd taken it too far, mm. that people were too shocked, that, it, that the yeah. reaction was bad and that it was, a, it was a bad move. But eventually the applause arrived. And then it became her trademark. Yeah, so so we move on now to the recording of it. Helen, what, what do you know about this? What I know about the recording is that, first of all, her regular record label, Columbia, were too uncomfortable with the material to put it out, so she, she took it to a left-wing record label to release it through them. And they were then worried that the song wasn't long enough, so they got her pianist, Sonny White, to write a longer piano intro to make it fill the vinyl. And actually, I think that's part of what makes her recording of the song so magical because Dorian Linsky wrote in his brilliant book on protest music, he describes how the song begins almost like a ghost story and that this beautifully woven piano introduction is almost like following down a southern road. It's like somebody walking up to the tree in the song and then Billy's voice comes in with that narrative. And the way she tells the story, almost like a woman bearing witness, sort of adds to that ghost story feel, that real chill. And those lyrics, can we get a a taste of of what it was that so sort of shocked and horrified people about those lyrics? Well, yes. I mean, it's it's really visceral, grisly stuff, isn't it? Mm. I mean, there's uh, the beginning of the song. She sings about blood on the leaves and blood at the root, a black body swinging in the southern breeze, pastoral scene of the gallant south. So there's this juxtaposition Mm. between one sort of picture postcard sense of what the South is like. Beautiful Mm. trees, lovely breeze, lovely scenes. A little bit later, the scent of magnolia. And then on the other side of it, there's this black body swinging in, in the breeze. The gallant South is all about... Well, it's partly about the gallantry of these white men who plucked these young boys from jail. They'd been accused of murdering a white factory worker and raping his companion. So they gallantly, you know, protected their community by plucking them out of jail and lynching them. But there's also the gallantry of Southern manners, isn't there? That mm. that is what Southern families were sort of known for. But it tears into the hypocrisy, it does. doesn't it? Because it's um, drenched in irony. Yeah, Mirapol's, Mirapol's son said, you know, this isn't a sad song, this isn't a ballad this isn't a tragic lament this is an attack song mm. you know, and I think mm. you could really you know the way Billy sings it and the, the way those lines twist you know that magnolia twists into the smell of flesh is mm. Mm. oh they're very very powerful it's words. savage I mean it's you know it's a furious song it's furious it? but she sings it in that sort of almost documentary yeah. fashion doesn't she so she doesn't need to lay it on thick because yeah. the the words are so awful and visual mm. aren't they mm. that that yeah. she's almost sort of reporting again as dorian linsky says in his book she's yeah. sort of saying look at this just look you don't need me to pile on the emotion here yeah. because 
here it is in front of you. And so from there, it's kind of not surprising that one of the first people to pick it up was uh, Nina Simone. <laughs> so uh, maybe we could have a listen to her singing it. Put the rain together for the wind to suck for the sun to rot for the leaves. Nina Simone, another singer, well known for her social conscience, for her civil rights activism. It's an even more, more stripped-down version there, isn't it? Even more stark. And the fury, I think, you can feel simmering Mm. more powerfully. You can always hear it in Nina Simone, can't you? That kind of, that fierce, and I think more control. She's Mm. more fiercely controlled and targeted, like the Billy is kind of bearing witness. Billy is Mm. standing under the tree, and Nina Simone is almost directly challenging the audience. What are Mm. you going to do about this? Here's a little girl who, you know, when she performed her first stage concert, Nina Simone was 10 years old, Amazing for a young black girl to get a classical concert at that stage. Her parents sit in the front row. They get moved to make space for a white family. That's Nina Simone's first concert. Yeah. It must have been tricky for any singer to have performed this song because it has become such a signature song for Billie Holiday. It has, yes. But I think for Nina Simone's performance of it, it it made a lot of sense because the civil rights movement had sort of moved on at this stage. Mm. And I think it's significant, even though it's 10 years after the event. You know, this is after the murder of Emmett Till. And that's still galvanising the civil rights movement. So it seems like if you look at the kind of political landscape... Nina's version sort of meets that head on Mm. the time is absolutely right but then yes as you move forward then you have to ask yourself who are the right voices for this song Mm. again look at the political landscape at particular times and say yes this is this remains an important song but it it sort of it becomes heightened at various moments in history doesn't it so Mm. it's a a hell of a task for anyone and I would say it's a it's a major task for a white singer as well yeah I mean Annie Lennox got into trouble for her cover of it she was widely criticized for being a white woman taking on this song and then when she was asked about why she'd done it she didn't specifically say what the song was about she sort of answered about her connection to the pain of the song and she talked about how people could identify with injustice and suffering and she was attacked for saying for not saying this is a song about lynching so for her, it was just a song about she felt their pain, she felt everyone's pain. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if she was grabbed on the hoof for that comment. Mm. Um, and I'm sure she's a very bright woman, um, so I'm sure Annie Lennox probably does know what the song is about and maybe mm. mishandled her response. Mm. What's dark about this song is the fact that it's not about generalised pain and trauma, no. is it? It's about a very particular yeah. type of mm. violence mm. that's specific to black people and that is what that is where its yeah. power lies. And mm. the new Andre Day cover of it that she's done with Google begins with the statistics. They come up on the screen, so for a whole new generation you haven't heard it before. The lynching statistics all come up on the screen, 4,000 black Americans. Yeah. But Jeff Buckley had a go, didn't he? Shall we have a listen to him? Southern tree Bear strange fruit Blood on the leaf And blood at the root A black body swaying in the southern breeze. 
Mm, interesting. What are our thoughts on Jeff's version? I don't uh, like it. No, me neither. And I normally, I normally really like Jeff Buckley, same, and he's same. normally got such a beautiful, ethereal, powerful voice. And mm. this just seems like the wrong. I mean, it's the wrong voice. It's the wrong beat. Mm. That sort of slightly strange upflick. It's yeah. not an upflick song. It's not it's a song. Not. To, yeah. When you think of the way he turned "Alleluia" into into a, into a kind of a hymn. I mean, he can uh, send. He, you know, he turns that into smoke. He turns it yeah. into like an incense cloud of prayer with "Alleluia." And this, mm. he, it's it's a mistake. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I wonder if he knew it was a mistake as well, because mm. it doesn't feel comfortable like yeah. a lot mm. of his other big songs, especially Hallelujah. You it can doesn't feel, feel natural. He doesn't does feel it? like he has the right no. to mm. sing it. Diana Ross also tackled it. Shall we have a listen to her version? She's kind of channeling Billie Holiday there, isn't, it? isn't she? She played Billie Holiday in the film, didn't mm. she? But I think yeah. her voice is just too pretty for the ugliness mm. of the subject. You can almost feel that sweetness of her that, again, doesn't quite sit as well. Yes, I think she's trying, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, she's trying. She's, and um, it's not her usual. <laughs> it was Nina Simone who talked about it being... There's an interview with her on, on YouTube, if anyone wants to look it up, where she's talking about that ugliness of the song. It's meant mm. to be ugly, isn't mm. it? It's she said it's the ugliest... To, I thought that was the ugliest song I ever heard. Yes. You know, mm. You're meant to recoil. So if you have a really beautiful voice yeah. or, or if you're doing the, the vocal gymnastics or you're, yeah. you're trying to make it orchestral or whatever, it doesn't work because yeah. it's meant to be gritty and nasty and leave a a bad taste isn't yeah. it we could move on to uh, Susie and the Banshees and see what we think of their version They're trying to be very kind of respectful there, aren't they? But uh, it doesn't seem to me they're carrying it off. I don't know what anyone else thinks. So with the Susie and the Banshees one, as we can hear, halfway through it does go down this ragtime route. You know, it gets a bit sort of New Orleans jazz and it's mm. not... It's not a celebration song, is it? No, no. And I think what they're aiming for is probably not what we hear. They're, they're aiming for mm. it, to, for it to, to stay mournful, but actually... Yeah. You know the picture that drops in your head is is of people partying on the streets, mm. and and it's just not right for that song. No, but I do think that Susie's voice does work. Yeah, that it sort of strikes that mournful tone, doesn't it? She's got a depth and an anguish and a sort of yeah, the torment to it that the song mm. needs. Mm. I have to say, this is a terrible admission, but I heard Susie and the Banshees' version as a kid, I suppose, mm. right, well yeah. before I heard Billie Holiday's because I had that album. Mm. And did you realise what it was about? No, no. I, hadn't, I had no idea and it, yeah. was, it was much later that I caught up with it right. and I didn't mind it then but as the context became clear yeah. as I got older mm. I thought, hmm, I don't know really how I feel about... her voice is quite good, certainly yes, on that opening, yes. her mm. voice sort of strikes the right... Or, yeah. you know, she... well, it's a bit buried, isn't it? You yeah. can't, the lyrics are maybe a little bit 
a little bit hard to make out. It just gets a little bit theatrical, and I think there's also another version by the Cocteau Twins, which is like some hammer horror monstrosity. <laughs> right. And I like mm. the Cocteau Twins, but it didn't work at all yeah. because when mm. you when you start adding theatre to a song like this, mm. again, it loses that ugly undertone, which is meant to really shine through. We seem to be finding here that it is a tricky song to cover. Another one we could have a listen to is Robert Wyatt. quite haunting isn't it I just like the stripped downness and his voice is always very natural and honest and open isn't it it's got that melancholy startled mm. pained it's reflective as well I think yeah. the, the mm. slow slide of that bass and the background it's sort of like you can sort of picture people taking different approaches to that particular scene of people stabbed by the tree it's almost like this is a guy who's just sat down and put his head in his hands mm. yes it's yes. got that sense hasn't it? it's got not sort of got nina simone's urgency we need to change this it's just mm. someone with their head in their hands yeah i think with a lot of the the less successful covers it's when the singer is trying to impose themselves upon the mm. song mm. Mm. and exactly actually that. the singer has got to step back it's yeah. a very very hard it's not about you <laughs> yeah yes exactly <laughs> Talking of which, <laughs> we move on to uh, Kanye West, who sampled it in his uh, Blood on the Leaves. Our thoughts on that? Well, I don't hate it, but I feel like I ought to. Mm. There was a lot of shock and outrage when this came out. There you was, know. yes. How, how dare... I mean, only somebody with an ego as monstrous as Kanye mm. could have taken a song about something hugely cultural significant and turned it into a song all about his breakup. Yes. Um, <laughs> although, you know, there's there's some theory that you can interpret the last verse as the, the blood on the leaves being something to do with an abortion uh, that his yes. ex mm. had. Yes, um, yeah. But Kanye's got a long history of sampling Nina Simone. He's, he's sampled her five times, I think, over his career, and there are probably more references in there. He sampled her last year. Mm. There's a theory about Kanye West that, you know, he's the guy who samples sold on songs that explain how he lost his own. But yes. he, but he, it still works, doesn't it, Fiona? Mm. I think it he does. He manages to take the pain of the Nina Simone sample and just twist it into make it his own. I, I think there's a lot to be said for having a, a major star like him draw on a song like this and introduce it to a new generation however weird his angle however yeah. however strange his approach but also i just kind of like how it sounds he clearly has you know is a very very self-involved man and that's yeah. what we know about him so what else are you going to expect him to do with it really no and he will and hear intense pain and anguish and he will just turn it to his own ends and he's brilliant at it i think he is and i think if you also we've already established that to do a cover of this song, to do it as a straight cover, is mm. really, really hard, and very few yeah. people get it right. So what he's doing is he's he's sampling it, and he's, he's certainly making his own, leaving his own mark on it. You know, it's it's virtually unrecognisable, 
And if anyone's going to do that, and anyone's going to do that and make an impression, he is. I I like it. I like the sort of the doomy vibe to it. Mm. I like that it's really oppressive, isn't yeah. it? Even if he is bringing it back to himself and his own personal experience, mm. why not? Yeah. So are we saying that there's nothing that can't be sampled? I guess maybe if you do it well enough. Which he seems to have done. Yeah. But what about the protest song in general? Because this is one of the first songs that was kind of called... What was the quote from somebody who said, you know, it's, a, it's actually a protest song and the, the concept didn't really yeah. exist before then. So where does that leave us now? Is that, Well, a lot, a lot of protest songs, especially if they're time-specific, they date quite badly, don't mm. they? I mean, you could have you and McCall and the M25 and, you know, nobody, mm. nobody's sort of, you know, complaining about the M1, wasn't it? Nobody's complaining about the digging of the M1 anymore. Mm. Mm. But this has survived, I think, because racism survived. So although this is specifically about lynching, we still have black teenagers being shot in America. Mm. Um, Absolutely. And it's it, still powerful. It never stops being relevant until... People stop killing yeah. black people. I mean, as you yeah. say in your piece, you know, that Rebecca Ferguson offered to sing this for Donald Trump. Yes, she did. To resounding silence from the Trump camp, I <laughs> right. gather. So, and she ended up watching it on, t- watching the ceremony on TV. Yes. I mean, just to tell the story, she did get a, a message from, from the Trump camp saying, please, mm. will you sing at the inauguration? And I think that probably there was a sense of she was the 120th person they'd asked in a very short amount of time because no one wanted to do it and mm. she didn't want to do it but there's a way either around not doing it offer to sing a song that they couldn't possibly countenance having at the inauguration mm. or turn it into a political statement mm. and good on her really yeah is it possible for a song to shock us today that in the way that strange fruit clearly shocked people when it was first released i think possibly anyone hearing this song for the first time now mm. would yeah. find it shocking. That's the extraordinary thing about it. This mm. hasn't lost any of its power, no. has it? No. no. It's the starkness of the imagery that really shocks, doesn't it? It's the words, isn't it? And going back... I mean, obviously, Billy's performance is incredible, but you go back to the words and you go back mm. to the poem and you go back to the the shock of a Mirapole. Mm. Seeing this photograph and wanting to, to do something about it, you mm. feel that. You absolutely feel that when you mm. hear these words. So thanks to my guests, Fiona Sturgis. Thank you. And uh, Helen Brown. Thank you. You can read previous pieces by Fiona, Helen and others in a new book, The Life of a Song, which is a compilation of uh, 50 of the Life of a Song columns, which is now available at all good bookshops. We'll be back in December with another episode of the Life of a Song podcast. In the meantime, you can read Fiona's piece on Strange Fruit and others in the Life of a Song series at ft.com slash life of a song. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.